Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. Psalm 48, 1 and 2 says, Great is Jehovah, and much to be praised. In the city of our God, in his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth, is Mount Zion, the sides of the north, the city of the great king. This is Matt Miller with Bob Danker for another in our series of life study programs from the book of Psalms. Bob, welcome back. It's good to be back, Matt. And this book of Psalms is truly marvelous when it is interpreted in the way that we are seeing uh, in the life study of the Psalms. When we see all these riches unfolded to us, we really get a view of uh, Christ and of the church, mainly of Christ and of the church, and of God's kingdom and God's purpose and plan to build up the church so that he can establish his kingdom on the entire earth so that he can rule over the earth. Ultimately, he will bring in the eternal city with the eternal kingdom, and that will be the new Jerusalem. This is all visible to us in the book of the Psalms, but we have to have the proper view. We need to have the proper enlightenment and interpretation of this book in order to see all these marvelous things. You uh, used the word there that we talked about in our last program we did, Bob, this need for enlightenment. And uh, particularly in Psalm 45, we saw if you don't have enlightenment, and Witness Lee also said, we have to have our mind renewed. He said, you must use your mind to study the Bible, but if you use your natural mind, you're going to have a lot of trouble. And we just saw that in Psalm 45 with Solomon, with all the women there. If you use your natural mind to understand that situation, you don't get it. But uh, if you missed yesterday's program, we encourage you to go back. We're not going to get into that again today. But we saw the need. We have to use our mind, but it must be a renewed mind, enlightened by the Lord's light. And as you said, this ministry really interprets the Bible under the enlightening and renewing way. Absolutely, Matt. Well, do you want to say any more before we go into the program? You gave a real brief synopsis. I think you did a good short summary there, but would you like to say any more before we go on? Well, I think uh, it would be good if we just let Witness Lee say something to us, and then we will comment a little bit on what he says. Sounds good. We're going to have a focus in today's program on the city of God. I'm going to read uh, Psalm 46, verse 4, another verse that mentions the city before we get into the speaking with Witness Lee. There is a river whose streams gladden the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Here's Witness Lee for the Life Study of Psalms, message number 22, originally spoken by Witness Lee on September 16, 1992. You all know Psalm 45 is a psalm on the praising of the king with his queen and with his sons. Then what psalm should follow Psalm 45? You think about it. Suppose you were the companion of these 150 psalms. Which ones would you put right after Psalm 45? It's quite interesting. 
In my youth, when I read Psalm 45, and I came to 46, 47, 48, and so forth, I did have a check. What is this? It seems there's no continuation between Psalms 45 and 46. 45 is on the king, and 46 is on the city. Well, when you hear the king and the city, this should give you some hint. Sure, the king has too much to do with the city. If there's a king, if there's no city, what king is that? Right? Surely, the king needs a city. Well, now, let me tell you. To study the Bible, we need the enlightened mind, renewed mind. Not only so, to understand the Bible, we have to learn to know all the heavenly, spiritual, and divine significances of the Bible. We shouldn't just say, well, Psalm 45 is a psalm on the praise of Solomon as the king with his queen and a bunch of women and so forth. And then Psalm 48 is on the city and 46 on the city. But we have to check what are the significances of the king, of the city. In the Bible, what city signifies? And in, in the Bible, what a king signifies? So you have to find out the spiritual significances. Then you can understand the Bible. Otherwise, no way. Well, Bob, our first section here is dealing a little bit with the principle of understanding the Bible or interpreting the Bible, and in particular, the placement and the sequence of the Psalms, and why was Psalm 46, 7, and 48 right after 45? I think I'm like many Christians. I never even thought of this question about why they're connected to the king in 45 with the city in 46 and 48, but there is an important significance here. And I think we'll see more as we go on with the program. But why don't we stop here and at least develop it a little bit first? I think this is very good, Matt. As you said, most of us would not even ask the question, why does Psalm 46 and the two psalms after that at least mention the city after mentioning the king in Psalm 45? This kind of inquiry really shows us a careful reading of the Bible. Am I right? That's right. It shows us a person who, when he reads the Bible, considers everything as meaningful and nothing as just random. God is not a random God. And when he inspired the writing of his holy word and even the arrangement of the Psalms, he did it in a meaningful way. And of course, the king is a type of Christ. We all know, or many of us know, that Solomon The great king over Israel in the Old Testament is surely a type of Christ, who is the king in God's kingdom. Well, every king needs a realm or a city to be his capital city or the city where he establishes his throne. So Christ, as the great king, has a city. And this city in the Old Testament, of course, was Jerusalem. And at the end of the Bible, we see the new Jerusalem. But in between these two ends in the Old Testament and the end of the New Testament, we see 
the church. The church is not only the house of God, typified by the temple in the Old Testament, but it is also the kingdom of God, typified by the city that surrounded the temple in the Old Testament and that protected that temple and became the center for the rule of the king, who is a type of Christ. So all of these significances give us quite a picture that if Christ is going to have a rule and a reign on the earth, which he fully intends to do and will do, then he must gain a city. He must gain the church to be strongly built up, enlarged, strengthened, so that he could have a center for his rule and a base for him to come back to the earth and to establish God's kingdom on the entire earth. Today, the earth uh, is in rebellion against God, and all the nations on the earth really are not for God. They are really opposing God and his reign. So Christ needs the church to be built up, to be the city of God, the kingdom of God, so that he can come back and possess the earth for God's kingdom and bring God's rule and reign to the entire earth. Bob, there's a really good footnote in the recovery version on Psalm 46, 4. I read the verse already, but the note on the city of God, which it says in verse 5, says, she will not be moved. This is a picture of the unshakable kingdom that it talks about in Hebrews twelve twenty eight in the New Testament. Let me read one more verse from Psalm 48, verse 8, Bob, and we'll go on to Witness Lee. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of Jehovah of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish her forever. Selah. Let's rejoin Witness Lee. Now, in Psalms 45, 46, 47, 48, what are the significances here? The significance is this. In Psalm 45, the king with the queen, with the sons, then right after such a significance, of the king with the queen with the sons, the city. The city is here. Now, we have to study the Bible what the city signifies. What is the spiritual, heavenly, divine significances of a city? Well, a city, firstly, the Bible signifies a kingdom. And uh, the central city, the primary city in the Bible is called Jerusalem, right? Opposite to Jerusalem, there is a city which is called Babylon. So these two cities are two very striking significances. If you are going to understand the Bible, you have to understand the significance of Jerusalem. And you have to understand the, the significance of Babylon. You need to spend one week's time to study these two cities. For us to know the Bible, you must spend on it about 50 or 60, 70 years. So now you have to remember to understand the Bible, you need a what? A renewed mind enlightened mind, and you need to read 
study the significances in four categories, divine significances, spiritual significances, and heavenly significances. Then what other significance? You must realize a large significance in the Bible concerning Christ. Christ-like significances. Bob, I'm going to ask you to get into all these significances, but before I do, I'd like to uh, just make one comment. I was thinking as Witness Lee was sharing there, he said you need 50, 60, 70 years of study to really understand the Bible, and you need the enlightened and renewed mind. I couldn't help but thinking as here we are listening to Witness Lee, this is really a picture of one who has a renewed mind and is coming to us with the Bible from an enlightened perspective. Isn't that really the case? It's really the case, Matt. And uh, Brother Lee here mentions two cities, you know, in the Bible that play a very prominent role and have a prominent position. One of them is Jerusalem. And we know this is God's city, uh, the city which is the center of God's kingdom on the earth. In the Old Testament, Jerusalem was a physical city located in the Holy Land. And from that city... uh, a man was the king over the nation of Israel, but actually that man was God's representative. So the city of Jerusalem became the center of God's kingdom on the earth, even in the Old Testament, although that the realm of that kingdom was quite small. In the New Testament, however, the city of Jerusalem is not physical. It's something spiritual. In Galatians, Paul mentions the Jerusalem above, who is our mother. This heavenly Jerusalem is actually the new covenant of grace. And this heavenly Jerusalem is the mother of all the believers. Certainly this is not a physical city, but something divine and spiritual and heavenly. Then at the end of the Bible, we have the new Jerusalem, which is nothing less than the composition of God himself mingled with and incorporated with all the believers, all his people throughout all the generations. This will be the consummation of the entire Bible. So the whole Bible ends with Jerusalem, and we know the throne of God is in the new Jerusalem. It's the center of that city, and that city represents God's reign and God's kingdom on the earth. And every One of the constituents of the New Jerusalem is a king reigning with God over the nations on the earth. So this is the city of Jerusalem in the Bible. But there's another city in the Bible called Babylon. And we see Babylon from the very beginning of the Bible, beginning with Babel, which was the kingdom of Nimrod. And we know that Babylon represents everything in this world that exalts itself against God, opposes God, and is used by Satan to frustrate God in establishing his kingdom. So there are two cities. These two cities are in conflict, in opposition to one another. God's purpose and his desire is to build up Jerusalem, which is the center of his kingdom on the earth. But Satan's purpose is to use Babylon to frustrate God's purpose. At the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, We have a city called Babylon the Great. And this 
city, as we read in the book of Revelation, ultimately is utterly destroyed by God. So eventually the whole Bible ends with Babylon's destruction and Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, being established and fully built up to be the reigning center of God's kingdom on the earth. So these two cities go through the entire Bible from beginning to end on two lines, and they are opposing each other, and they have two destinies, Babylon's destiny to be destroyed, the Jerusalem's destiny to become the new Jerusalem, the city of God and Christ, the triune God of the king over the whole universe. So this is quite meaningful and quite significant. So in order to study the Bible and understand it, even to know these two cities is very important, is very significant. Wow, Bob, I really appreciate your sharing there. It's quite a bird's eye view of the whole Bible from the beginning to the end, Babylon and Jerusalem, all the way through the whole Bible. It reminds me when I first heard about this ministry as a teenager, one of the first books I read by Witness Lee was The Vision of God's Building, where he talks about uh, these two cities that go all the way through. It really is a big thing. I feel like we're just scratching the surface. I hope our listeners will spend the time to get more into this later. This is just a life study of Psalms. We're going to go on to our conclusion here. I'm only going to read uh, Psalm 48:14, where it says, For this God is our God forever and ever. He will guide us even unto death. We're going to focus on this point about God guiding us even unto death. Here's Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's program. Here, Psalm 46 to 48 tell us that this God whom we enjoy through Christ, in Christ, and with Christ in the church and in local churches is our guide. I would ask you how God guides us. We are just so short, so short in the experiences of Christ with God. Well, so short. We don't know where to go. We don't know where is where. So we need a guide. Our God here is a guide. He's a guide who will guide us until we die. Do you believe, dear saints, that you have a guide? Think about it. Where our God could be our guide. Nowhere else but in the church. In the local church and in the universal church as well. You don't know where your steps would be, but he directs your steps. So we must realize we have to experience Christ. Then Christ will lead us in the local church. To do what? To enjoy God. Then this which we enjoy will become the city, a kingdom. It was a home, firstly. Then it becomes a city. When the church is a house, that is the home for God to dwell. But when the church is enlarged, it becomes the city. And this is the kingdom for God to rule, to reign. So we all have to learn how to enjoy him. How to enjoy him. Day and night, we learn to enjoy him. Where shall you go as a tourist in the human tour? You have to say, 
I don't know where to go. But hallelujah, I have a tour guide. And he's my guide. He's directing me. I just follow him. I don't need to worry. I just enjoy. Enjoy his presence. Enjoy his direction. Enjoy his guiding. Until we die. Well, don't forget, this is the enjoyment of God in the house and in the city. And this is the enjoyment of God through Christ, in Christ, and with Christ in the aha, church and in the local churches. Both in the universal church as part of Christ and in the local churches as the expressions of that body of Christ. Here we enjoy God. Bob, I really like this picture of Christ being our tour guide. We don't know where to go, and we would worry in such a case, but we don't have to because we have a guide who is leading us into the enjoyment of God. Can you apply this in an experiential way for the listeners? Yes, uh, Matt, this is a marvelous thought that God, who is Christ, is our tour guide on the tour of our Christian life. We don't know where to go or what we need to experience, but he knows, and he knows the way. In fact, he is the way. He is the guide. Actually, this guide dwells in our spirit, and day by day, from the day we are saved to the day that we die, he guides us. Where does he guide us? Well, I would say he guides us to experience and enjoy himself uh, more and more and more. And ultimately, as we begin to experience Christ through his guiding, he guides us to the church. He guides us to God's house, which is the church. And in the church, we enjoy him more. We have a higher enjoyment of Christ than we had before. And through this higher enjoyment, he guides us to the kingdom. He guides us into the built-up, strengthened, established, and enlarged church, which is the kingdom of God on the earth. He guides us into the kingdom. Ultimately, he will guide us to the new Jerusalem, where we will have the absolute, ultimate enjoyment of our God for eternity. So eventually... We need to enjoy the Lord, but we need a guide to guide us into this enjoyment. And this enjoyment is in the church, especially in the local churches. Today on this earth, we enjoy God in God's house, and we're being built up to be the God's kingdom so that the Lord can come back to the earth, take possession of the earth, and ultimately bring in the new heaven and the new earth with the new Jerusalem. This is all the issue and result of the guiding of our guiding God. What a wonderful picture and a, and a sweet way to end our program with a wonderful tour guide guiding us into the enjoyment of God, particularly in the local church and in the universal church, the body of Christ and his expression on the earth in a practical way. I feel like we're almost uh, drawing a map, Bob, showing people where they can go to get the enjoyment of Christ and like a tour guide in a sense. Uh, they haven't been there. I think many of our listeners have not had this experience, but we would encourage them to enter into it. Christ is very rich when it comes to the city and the kingdom. The building up of the strength in church is just 
more than I think we can really touch in a short radio program, but we've run out of time, so I have to thank you for coming in today. This is a marvelous view, Matt. Thank you also for listening, and I've repeatedly said during this program that we're just barely touching the the surface of these matters. We encourage you to get the printed life studies. We've got a lot of materials available in print. We also have a lot on our website. These particular psalms are all in their entirety online at lsm.org. We also would like to hear your comments. If you have any response to this or questions, call us at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or you can send an email to radio at lsm.org. On behalf of Bob Danker, this is Matt Miller. Thank you for listening today. Millions of Christians have been strengthened in their faith through the ministry of Watchman Nee. In a recent release by Living Stream Ministry entitled The Overcoming Life, Watchman Nee sounds a call to the believers to pursue the normal Christian life that is hidden with God in Christ. The Overcoming Life is filled with truth, reverberates with hope, and brings the reader to renewed consecration. The Overcoming Life by Watchman Nee from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788. 